0: You are listening to two Drop tables and a microphone, an information security podcast with a Canadian perspective, and the only tech podcast with a three-drink minimum. We are the place for information security news and how it affects you as either a security professional or a general consumer. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and our guests are solely their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of their employers, past or present.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to two drop tables and a microphone, you know, security with a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, John Ruperto, tonight, and uh, with me I have, as always, Mark Speed and Dom Compact, you know, the Russian.
2: I uh, know, it's Croatian, actually.
1: Croatian. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Introduce yourself, boys.
2: <laughs> yeah, Dom Kappa K-A-P-A-C. I have to spell it out because I don't know why everybody spells it with a C, but anyway did A little bit of digressing there, but uh, yeah, I'm Dom Kapic. I'm the uh, I, I work for the Ministry Ministry of uh, Transportation, Province of BC.
0: Mark Speed, uh, Lee, Consultant at Dogwood Technical Solutions.
1: Oh, all right, welcome everyone. Let's uh, let's get right in this. Actually, you know, before we do that, uh, what are we drinking, everyone? I got a uh, you know Crown Royal Black, going hard tonight. <laughs>
2: I got a, actually a Crown Royal, as well.
0: Drinking some Ardbeg.
2: Oh, Mark always has the interesting ones. Oh yeah, exactly. You got quite a collection there, eh, Mark?
0: Eh, not bad. I got six or seven bottles right now. It's not bad.
1: Not bad. All right, so we got some interesting topics tonight. You know, a little big one that happened. Uh, oh, we're talking wow, to talk yeah. about Equifax, and it's a data breach fuckery more and more of it. Uh, we're going to look at hacking medical devices, another big thing that's going on, and then uh, NSA tool that I came across not too long ago called United Reich. So we're going we're to talk about those. So let's kick it off. Uh, we're going to start with Equifax, big data breach. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. You know, about, uh, they think it's going to impact about 143 million Americans, one of the big three U.S. credit bureaus, and uh, we find out that they've... Lost a whole bunch of PI um, back in July or something like that. They discovered it, looked into it, and was like, "Oh man, that's a lot of people." So, let's go. Like, what do we think about this? I mean, are we surprised? What are they going to do? How bad is it? Is it going to affect us here in Canada? What can we do about it?
2: Well, they did say that it did affect a unknown number of Canadians, uh, but only only limited data. Now, what does that mean exactly? I don't know. But the thing is, is that it not only affected Americans, but it affected Canadians. It apparently affected people in South America, including Argentina. So it was like it went all the way down. It, 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 it's, it's quite a massive breach. And, and it's all due to poor basic security hygiene, like having plain text passwords, uh, having, having, um, you know, the real basic stuff like wasn't, wasn't not taken care of that's the issue and the other thing is I saw I read that uh, it uh, they're doing very poorly like in managing this incident like it's just I don't know it's, yeah, like it's, been a, a,
0: it's been a complete gong show all over the board like the stories that have been coming out so originally it started that you know we weren't really certain what vulnerability it was and I don't really think we know yet um, Apache Apache Struts seems Struts to be what it, yeah. Yeah. it was. So Equifax Equifax is saying that, because they what they told everyone what happened on the 7th of September or so, so Equifax was saying it was the Apache Struts vulnerability that came out on the 4th of September. i um, saying it was a zero day too. Well, it would have been a zero day at that point because their breach started in mid-May and went through to July 2017. So the fact that there was a vulnerability that was released publicly on the 4th and not the vulnerability that was released publicly in March uh, seems a lot unlikely to me. The timeline, like uh, applying Occam's razor here, the timeline makes a lot more sense that the March vulnerability wasn't patched and then in mid-May they got hit. Uh, The fact that they could even determine it was the apache struts vulnerability and match it to what just got released on the fourth by the seventh amidst everything else they would have been running around doing getting ready to you know make public this breach is just doesn't match for me zero days don't stay around that long being used and if they are they're not being used against equifax and nobody else and the other
2: thing too is it's it seems like they haven't. They don't really either know that the when they got breached, or they, you know, they would have probably come up with something a little more hard, or they're cover, trying to cover it up. And I mean, sorry, but the cat's out of the bag if, in that case. But uh, it is, it is probably something that they didn't patch. Like I mean, judging by what's going on, it's probably, probably from a struts. What Mark said earlier was Mark the the, the uh, Apache struts in March.
0: Yeah, and that's only I, I, as of a couple days ago, you know, it still was not proven that Struts was even the hole that was exploited. That at that time, Uh, most of what you hear about Struts is originally cited back to uh, an unsubstantiated report by Baird Capital, Uh, and their sole source at that time looked to be someone at Equifax. So we we don't know the truth yet, and we may not. For quite a while, but I certainly hope that we do so that everyone else can learn.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, the way they've handled this too has been pretty shady. Uh, you know, what they knew or didn't know. And, you know, in situations like this, we know there's going to be breaches and stuff. I mean, personal information is probably the worst type to ever get out. You always expect them to protect it with, you know, more than just, you know, you expect to be a little more villig- um, diligent. And, uh, you know, when you read about things like, you know, some of the high up executives were selling stock shortly after the hack came out, and stuff like that. It's like it just it doesn't look very good on them.
0: You and know, before it like went public, too, right? Mm-hmm. So they knew they were hacked, and they mm-hmm. fixed it at some point And then everyone sold their stock, and then they went public. That's just That's right. so shady, shady. right? Shady.
1: And then everyone sitting here with, "Well, is my information affected? Is it not affected? Uh, what are you guys going to do about it?" And it's, it hasn't been handled very well.
2: Actually, and the funny thing is on the video, like I watched their video about this breach, the Equifax video, and they said that their core credit reporting data was not affected.
0: No, it wasn't.
2: So, you know, I, it's, well, what, uh, there's, uh, there's other data that they're using, but the thing is, at the same time, it's, why, what's what's going on here really? And pop it off, it's, their handling of this incident is very poor. They uh, they don't seem to know what's going on, or they they don't, or they're just not wanting to uh, properly report on this. It seems like they're they're going, you know, with one hand, and then they're changing their story, or having one story one minute, changing their story to something else. And and they said we hired a cybersecurity firm, which I believe is Mandiant, but. Uh, they, to handle this incident. But at the same time, it's... How... You guys... Do you really know what you're doing? Or It sounds like you guys don't know what you're doing.
0: Or... They may be, they may be being mum at this point just because they know there's all these lawsuits. Like, there's more than two dozen lawsuits have been filed thus far. Probably don't want to say so, too much. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so eventually it'll all come out. It's just right now, people are just, like, grasping at anything. But I... Like, they've had several missteps and done several dumb things along the way. Like, one of the things they did is they put a an unenforceable and unacceptable to the New York Attorney General's office anyway clause in the acceptance terms for the free credit reporting they were offering for mm-hmm. victims of the breach that gave away their rights to sue Equifax and instead forced them into binding arbitration. So the New York AG's office complained and went all over Twitter saying, no, this is not going to fly. And they changed it to something else and the AG office is like, we're still watching this.
2: Also thinking maybe the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, is probably investigating the uh, stock uh, stock sell-off, right? I, mean, it's,
0: uh, I think they should be all over this at this point. Oh yeah, one of the things they did too that was all over Twitter, uh, that looked really crazy to me, is what they the website they set up for people to go look to see if they were part of this breach and what they could do and to sign up for the credit reporting, sorry, the credit protection that they're offering. Is EquifaxSecurity2017.com, which yeah, looks like a so fake, so <laughs> fake. of course it looks typically fishy, and it was a mm-hmm. really, really bad decision. And you know they should have done something off the Equifax.com domain, like you know security.equifax.com just, just the name or sounds
1: sounds terrible. Like it yeah. just sounds like a phishing <laughs> URL. It cl- looks like so, when I clicked on it, I'm like, "What the heck is this?" And yeah. I don't know about that. I think I'm giving you my stuff now.
0: The oh, domain yeah. looks so fake that OpenDNS, for a time, were blocking it as a phishing site. It was an automated process due to words in the domain, freshness mm-hmm. of the registration, and volume spikes. It automatically started blocking it as phishing.
2: And the other thing too is is that. Uh, you know, it's said on the actual website. But uh, somebody could go in there, and uh, what? What does Equifax? What if? What if they're? You know, the hackers are still working on there. You know, they could have made a slight change to the website, and then the hackers operate the Equifax Security 2017 page, and get even more details.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, their security posture is terrible. Like they <laughs> said, there was uh, customers in Argentina saying they were using some. Portal for handling credit report disputes, and it was admin admin. Yeah, where the credentials? It's like, wow, guys, come on!
0: And that leaked what is essentially Argentina's version of the SIN number, Mm -hmm. and all wax of other stuff.
1: And then why they don't encrypt any of this data at rest? I have no idea. Like, none of this stuff is very difficult to implement either.
0: They should be encrypting at rest. Like one of the things that people are talking about, and like aren't don't they have to be PCI DSS compliant? And they weren't. And they so were, they were in Who's auditing them? And are they compliant? Because they should have to do a encryption at rest, like John says, uh, file integrity monitoring. And we're not talking just monitoring, like just logging stuff. We're talking active alerting, keeping on top of things. Like, how are they getting compliance? Is is this compliance thing just all bullshit now and that people no one really is auditing them that's that has any teeth?
1: It's a thing, right? Like they need to be audited. Need, people need to be held accountable, and when things like this happen, they need to be punished severely so they actually take it seriously. And that's the only way it's going to happen. Uh, the fines from these lawsuits are going to amount to jack shit
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> in reality. And their stock yeah. took a bit of a hit, but it'll recover. It's and already recovered. It's not, recovered. En- it's not no, enough. It's not no. enough.
2: No, they it already be- recovered. It was uh, no. uh, what was it? it? Was down to one hundred twenty-three dollars a share. And then uh, just uh, today, I saw it went up to $142 a share. And I just, okay, I guess that didn't
1: do much at all. Yeah, I wonder if the the executives bought any of that back when it went down, you know, 10% there, 20%.
2: And the other, the thing thing is, at the same time, is this going to, you know, spur any legislative action or regulatory action, you know, for mandatory breach uh, reporting requirements or, or. uh no, and I don't think anything's going to really happen. Be honest, because you look at uh, we we'll look at Target, you look at Heartland before that, you look at uh, Yahoo. Uh, you know, two billion accounts at Yahoo, and uh, nothing happens. Right? There's nothing's going to happen. It's this
0: cool. I'm definitely not pro government intervention. That's not my thing. But I, th- I see different classes. Like I put sort of, you know, LinkedIn and Yahoo and all those things in one bucket, and anything that has you know. Credit card data, actual financial transactions, like you know Home Depot, and of course the Equifax hack, in another bucket. But I think there should be some government regulation on. You only know, have to meet these levels, and there there already is PCI DSS. And if you look at um, some of the security rating services like BitSight, uh, their ratings for Equifax have been on a downward slide for a long time, and um, it shows that Equifax their application security rating was an F. That puts them at the bottom of 10% of all companies. And patching cadence, they scored a D, which puts them in the bottom third. I would expect Equifax to be a lot better at application security and patching
1: cadence, and they should be too. It's for this type of information, just like uh, I agree with you too, Mark. It's like there needs to be some regulation to the point of if you deal with financial data, you need to meet these standards and it needs to be regulated. If you deal with PI, then you need to be held to these set of standards and you need to be audited continuously. And that's just the way it is. I mean, this, you know, they said on the black market, a personal ident, some PI for someone's worth about $30 per person you can buy it for, right? So you're talking 143 million Americans. Five billion dollars, probably U.S. Cool. Uh, the amount of, da- of money that could be potentially, as they just from these, and then the amount of damage that's caused from the fake credit cards and everything that's being used. So either, you know, it's the cost of doing business for these companies because they know the fines and the, the financial losses isn't as great as having to actually be audited. But it shouldn't be a choice. You want to be in this business, you need to do. You need to take steps
0: to protect. I think there's going to be whole, like, you know, departments and ministries created in government in the next, you know, decade or so to handle things like this because it's every week. Like, literally, we could fill every two week podcast with three or four stories like this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's becoming absolutely more brutal. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, as we'll talk about later on, I mean, look at all the tools that come out that are just so easily, that can be used so easily. You can download them all, they're easy to use, you don't need much understanding really uh, to use them. So I mean, it's, it's just the ability to people, the bar is low now. So you need to be more diligent and more... with I with think it all comes
0: down to their uh, chief information security officer being a music major.
1: <clears throat> but the other thing too
2: is, uh, you know, I mean, after this, they should think about, okay, who do we bring in to handle incidents? Who's good at handling incidents Future incidences and who is uh, who, who understands, who can build a proper security program, who can who can craft uh, policies, you know, like the proper amount of the the proper base and handle the basic hygiene, like security hygiene. I mean, that should be the first step. Like this, once you get the basics down, you can solve eighty percent of security issues right there, right off the bat. At
1: least these simple ones. Like I mean, when I look at uh, who their CIO is, like her, I mean, I'm not. Too, too worried about her actual background. That's not a problem. I know a lot of people get jobs that aren't in the proper background. But I mean, true, yeah. But however...
0: Like two you, of the three of
1: us, for example. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like I have a Bachelor of Education, got into IT, but however, from then, I've taken the transitory training and education and job experience to get the experience in security to be there, not do nothing and just call myself a security expert, which what it kind of looks like with her, it's like, well, what else have you done? Fine, you're, you have that job, but what else have you done? Yeah, was she properly certified? Did she no, have CISP, like, no. anything? Have,
0: anything? Look, following around on LinkedIn and Facebook, and like going, this is all over 4chan. I know, not a great source, but they're going through everything, and it still is unconfirmed whether or not one of her jobs at SunTrust Bank, she was actually overseeing the call center. How you go from call center to mm. chief security officer at one place, and then chief security officer at Equifax? Like, I have no idea. But she's got no IT certifications, no credentials. She follows no security-related groups on LinkedIn or Facebook. She's not a member of ISACA. You know what I mean? It's like on and on and on and on and on. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you need to keep that professional development and education up. And if you're not going to, how would you ever become a CIO of one of the top three monitoring companies out there?
0: And it's that's, everyone that that's works it. there too. Like if you work at a place, like there's lots of people underneath her and. That have security-related jobs. If you're working at a place that has this sort of information and data on, like almost every person of the United States, a bunch of people in Canada and elsewhere in the world, and you're looking at servers that aren't getting patched for months and months and months, and vulnerabilities that you know are being um, are able to be exploited in production systems that are just right on the internet, why are you working there? I don't know why anyone no one's not saying anything, but it makes it tough for
2: make to make any decisions if she doesn't understand what her staff is talking about it's uh they're probably they're probably telling her hey we we got to fix this we have uh we have vulnerabilities uh we have you know there's there's a huge risk that will be breached and i wouldn't be surprised if they were telling her over to probably time and time again and she's just like well i don't you know either she didn't understood or she didn't care i don't know but there's a huge
0: like, there's a huge job shortage this huge bubble approaching um, in IT security so I would just suggest anybody who's working somewhere and their you know knowledge and skills aren't being put to use because you don't have the permission or authority to do your job go somewhere else not yep. worth it
2: especially for somebody like a company like Equifax you know they should have been on, right on top of it from the get-go gets somebody who's qualified for the position. Who's got the proper proper education certifications? No, not hire a music major.
1: Yeah. So, what can uh, I guess? Just to wrap this one up, what uh, what can people do here? Like, what 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 steps should they be taking? And how can you kind of prevent something like this in the future? At least keeping yourself insulated, because you know these companies aren't.
0: We're talking from like a, a personal perspective, not a business perspective. That's right. For now. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Uh, I don't know. I like would you, say, you can't uh, tell, it, you can't it, it, tell if a company you're dealing with is, is doing proper patch management and incident response and whatever. Like you, I don't know how you'd know.
2: Well, the thing is, is that I've, they you could sign up for free credit alert monitoring for like six months. Well, I wouldn't say free. It's uh, they have to pay like twenty bucks per month, and then uh, see if anything go happens. Right? If you if you feel that you've been breached as a person. Your, your data at uh credit, uh credit history has been has been breached. If you feel strongly about it, sign up for a uh, credit monitoring service.
1: And well, watch your credit cards, check, your statements. Your, credit card, Just check your statements. I mean, a lot of it's all passive yeah. now. Absolutely. Stuff like that. I mean, as a business, we know we talk from a business standpoint. It's, you know, it's patch management, your cadence on it, uh, staying up on vulnerabilities that could possibly affect your system, you know.
0: Implement a security program like Dom said, you know, based on current insane standards, like you know, the NIST cybersecurity framework or the CSC twenty or NIST eight hundred fifty-three or whatever it is, if you're crazy. Cobit. Like there's a lot of things you could do that you know, frameworks that have been established already and standards that are available and just start working your way through, align it to business risk and just start crossing off some stuff. Like I see things. You know, every week right now that would go by my desk, I'm like, oh, that's not up to snuff. Let's, we need a project to fix that. And just keep moving forward, continuous improvement until you get somewhere where, you know, a decent, you, decent reasonable amount of security. Yeah. Yep. Start, start all over again.
2: From a business perspective, start start with the basics. Learn what, you know, constitutes basic security hygienes like uh, changing default passwords, for example. Uh, having encryption in place for data at rest and even data in transit. And uh, actually, yeah, you have to have a data in transit. It you know, could be vulnerable to middle, middle man-in-the-middle attacks. Um, you know, it's pretty much basic stuff like that. Start with that. and
0: Yeah, CSC, top, the CSC20, they have the CSC top five controls. And if you implement those top five, you are like sort of the top... Top 80, 80th percentile. You know, stop. You know, three quarters of the attacks, and they are pretty simple stuff. They're not even like some of the more difficult things. But you know, create a um, inventory of all your hardware, software assets, um, inventory all of your like the software running on all the machines, and in both of those things, like look for new stuff that pops up that shouldn't be there. You know, and adding in. Security awareness training, um, incident yeah, response. Security awareness
2: is security awareness is it's huge. It's, uh, that's what I would start with for security awareness training. Because uh, most of these attacks, like phishing, or uh, you know, they're they're targeting the person, and if the person, especially if it's unaware, uh, will be vulnerable to to these attacks. He'll it's like, okay, I'll give you my username and password.
0: Yeah, but if you you implement inventorying uh, authorized and unauthorized devices, inventory authorized and unauthorized software, uh, secure configuration, vulnerability assessment, and controlled use of administrative privileges, those are the top five. So we haven't even gone into seam or security awareness training or... Data recovery, data protection, wireless—none of that stuff yet. Like those, just do those five things. Um, people argue whether or not that's enough. You know, like Dom said, a lot of people are high. Uh, would rate security awareness higher. I'd rate incident response uh, higher uh, because something yeah. is eventually going to happen, and how you react can make that a smaller deal uh, than a bigger deal. Exactly, but at the same time, it's we want to make sure to
2: prevent, you know, you know, it an uh, ounce of prevention is, is worth the same as a pound of a cure.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's, you, know, you, you want to make sure, yes, you have an incident response plan, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you reduce the occurrences of incidents or even eliminate them. But uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's
1: yeah. just because you report. have an incident response plan doesn't mean you want to be implementing it every, every month. Okay. Crazy stuff. I'm sure we'll hear about another one next week. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so next topic, we're going to go on to hacking medical devices. So there's been a lot of talk about hacking medical systems. That's been out there, all those kind of breaches. But, you know, it's kind of caught my eye as something a little more, I don't know, scarier or a little more personal. I don't You know, it's, it's the other person hacking the medical devices. So pacemakers, things like that. It's almost like the Internet of Things for for medical devices, personal medical devices. And now we're starting to see that, Hackers are remotely accessing these kind of, you know, syringe infusion pumps and, and pacemakers and stuff. So things that could literally harm somebody, kill them. Uh, and now these are internet connected and they're easily remotely accessed. Same kind of security as any kind of shitty IoT device you have in your house.
2: The problem is is that
1: they are, they are
2: wireless and I really have no idea why. <laughs> I mean... Oh, you know, you got a pacemaker and you're walking around, you're like a wireless access point or you're uh, emitting a signal. I mean, why, why, why do that? I mean, it's, yeah, sure, I think it's for convenience. Oh, I need to update the software, the firmware of the device in order to get data on your, on your health. But at the same time, I'm just like, okay, this is life and death here. Why, why are you even, you know, build, creating a bigger attack surface? begin with and that is now, you know, maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago, it, it didn't affect, uh, it wasn't all that. You never really heard about it, but now it's, it's huge because they're putting in all you know, oh, week. We got we're, uh, wireless monitoring, remote monitoring, and we can now access, uh, your pacemaker remotely or insulin pump remotely. And I mean, now you're, now we're talking life and death here. Okay. And mean, they, they didn't weigh the
1: risks when doing this. Well, they they say a lot of the you know the health IT they're spending a lot of their money on securing their infrastructure data center and all that kind of stuff um, and that's kind of where they're focusing and governments and industry are you know putting out frameworks but they're only providing guidance they're not penalizing anyone they're you know they're not making it mandatory so it's easy to deprioritize these kind of risks right you're just kind of like all right which is kind of silly to me.
2: It is, and then the other thing too is, uh, it's, it's it's like anything else. Like, oh, security is an afterthought. You know, I mean, it. That's that's not the way it should be, especially these days. It's especially for medical devices. Like, you get think about it. Like, we got to implement. We got to have security right from the get go. Like, the, these devices should be secure by design, not thought of. Especially these things, not thought of as an afterthought.
1: And I don't know why they're not. Like, there's no reviews. So they said that this palm. So an independent security researcher found like he's not just one eight security vulnerabilities in this wireless syringe infusion pump. Like w- so you just make it and put it out there and there's no it doesn't have to go through any kind of certification at all. I don't understand.
2: Yeah, I don't either. Like there should be some there sh- should be like a pen like penetration test done on this device uh, even before it goes to market. Like there should have been okay, can this be hacked and how can it be hacked so we can plug these vulnerabilities. And then then now we can get it to market. But, you know, that's an ongoing process because there's there's vulnerabilities that may not exist now, will probably exist in the future. It's always happens. Any any device, really. Mm-hmm. But I know I mean, it's just it's just shocking to me why why uh they're adding all these features in there, you know. It's like one man's bug is another man's feature, right? It's just
0: I think originally people didn't want leads that they had to plug in all the time to do things, right? So mm-hmm, being able to wirelessly connect to things just, I mean, speaking of like pacemakers and stuff like that, made a lot of sense. And we always talk about security being bolted on as an afterthought, if it is at all. Um, this is a, certainly a case where it wasn't thought of at all, and maybe because people, you know, thought who would do that? But you
2: know, there's 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 malicious people out there. Oh yeah, you know, I mean
0: it's. <laughs> It's
2: it's pretty much. And I think we, we see enough kind of examples
1: already. of things happening. You know that it. Like I look at some of these high severity flaws: lack of authentication if a pump is configured for allow FTP, presence of hard coded credentials, lack of proper host certificate validation. Like, so it's running any version of the their firmware, and they're going to put out a patch in January 2018. That's how long it's going to take them.
2: Uh, yeah, that's, that's 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 not acceptable. Any other thing too was uh, I think there was uh, uh, the article talking about uh, 450 million pacemakers had to be recalled by the Food and Drug Administration mm-hmm. because of security issues.
0: I went to a really cool Sky Talk at Def Con Twenty Five and there was a person talking that works in the medical industry and was talking about these type of devices and, and what they work on and what they see, and it was really, really scary. Like a lot of this equipment is running Windows XP or CE. Um, <clears throat> their, quote, sort of wireless connectivity is usually a USB dongle plugged into a USB port somewhere. Um, they talked about some of these older devices which had been um, taken away and had a had uh, wireless connectivity added on and when the person had to break one open to work on them saw that what they'd actually done is taken a WRT-54G Linksys router and had like the power brick and everything just zap-strapped inside the case of this thing. And that's what they were doing to provide now now with wireless connectivity and just plugged in an Ethernet port that they were plugging in before.
2: (laughs) Well, am I not surprised by
0: that? You know, cut corners wherever you can. eh? Just take a bottom-barrel Linux-based Wi-Fi router and just attach it to the back of medical equipment. What could go wrong? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I yeah. think it's only gonna get worse. I mean this is the rate of these devices coming online. IoT is just gonna you know, it keeps growing exponentially every year and it's gonna be constant. Constant and nobody's taking security seriously. I what devices coming out that are secure?
0: This is another one of those places where I think you know government intervention is the only thing I can see really making a dent. Like I'd like to say, well, the market will just decide. But you don't know, and people don't know, and people don't understand these things. There was an article the other day saying that a researcher released 10 zero-day flaws in a type of D-Link wireless router that can be exploited full access to your internal network from the WAN side.
2: And usually, the penalties for these kinds of things, like look at Equifax, we're going back to Equifax. I mean, penalties for these are they—they they actually factor in as the cost of doing business.
0: But you can't even sue D-Link because their router sucks.
2: Yeah. Well, apparently, there was a lo- uh, law lawsuit launched against D-Link due to insecure Sorry? devices.
0: Good luck with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was a few years back. But that's that's exactly right. It's just. You know, until there's some sort of regulation or stiffer, because I mean, if it can save a buck, we're going to save a buck. Sure, we'll get some bad press if something gets out, but you know, we'll patch it or we'll pay the fine, and da 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 da. And everything's always reactive, right? Until at least,
0: they're... at least, something like the Wi-Fi routers are um, connected to the internet and they're patchable, they're serviceable. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about some of these IoT devices, and particularly the medical devices, and that. They're never patched. They're never updated. They're not tracked as assets that have security needs and patching needs. And this IoT thing is just going to continue to get worse as well before it gets better.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's where we're trying to get ahead on, on this and transportation because uh, we use a lot of IoT, like, like cameras and signs and sensors, of weather sensors, temperature sensors, pavement sensors for... Or vehicle traffic, Bluetooth sensors uh, determine traffic patterns, traffic flows. And its uh, yeah, we have to be on top of this, like, like right at the outset, because
0: otherwise, you know, bad shit can happen. If someone's going to send bad data or tell you it's snowing on the Malahad <laughs> in mm-hmm. July. Or <clears throat> you could basically cause an
2: accident. You, know, you just uh, disrupt the traffic flow, cause accidents, uh,
1: so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, when I look at, you know, the the steps they say in, you know, some of these articles, like, what are you going to do? It's the same thing. It's like, stay informed, make sure you patch your systems, you know, like, basically those CIS controls, like Mark was talking about. It's like, if you could take care of those things, it works for everything, IoT devices, network, hardware, anything, cloud security. It's like, just know what's going on in your network and just take the most basic of steps. Absolutely. That's the important thing,
2: you know. The top those top five security controls, like do those first, and then then you just basically you reduce your risk, massively
1: reduce your risk. Absolutely. Okay, moving along. Shadow brokers, another tool. United Rake. (laughs) So what else is (laughs) name? Another one. United Rake customizable modular malware the ability to capture webcam and microphone output log keystrokes access external drives and more in order to spy on its targets
2: this sounds a lot like um, sub seven back in the uh, early 2000s <laughs> um, I, I don't know I, if I was you,
0: just it, I was thinking that when I looked at the picture yeah. and I had a note here to say yeah. that but you <laughs> stole it from me. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I edit the podcast, so this is like <laughs> sub7 that I used in yeah, <laughs> you
2: know, that's, what, that's what it comes up. I'm like, "Holy, this is like Back Orifice or sub7." Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's a Trojan. I mean, with the command and control like uh I'm like oh, like oh my god, this is a new tool. Dun do
0: tool. No code. Going, no code in this, just all clicky boxes and GUI.
1: Oh, exactly! Yeah, <laughs> like, amazing. Just for quick, you know, it's you done quick.
0: Mm-hmm. But this yeah. is all full of vulnerabilities that a lot of them weren't released either, right? That's yeah, true.
2: But the but at the same time, this is this to me is more of a more of a payload. It's not a tool necessarily. Um, it to exploit. Like you have to you have to launch an exploit, and then you download this tool. You download. A, a like an agent or a, a portion of this tool onto the target, and then you can have your way with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I and mean, that's that's what it
1: is to me. Yeah, It just seems like we're constantly getting more and more of this stuff every week, every day, whatever it is. Like I mean, these ends of these tools, and I don't even know if this is <clears throat> all the good stuff they use. <laughs> I don't even know what they have. Right. But this is just it's just constant. And <laughs> all these gooey Windows tools that they use. I mean, how many infected machines are out there with these things? Probably more than you can imagine. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And the other thing too is uh, I, I downloaded the the shadow brokers dump uh, for I think the last six months and uh, they're all, you know, GPG files. They're encrypted files and you have to pay. Uh, now they, they, they're requesting Zcash yep. uh, instead of Bitcoin. And uh, so you pay them Zcash and uh, they give you the uh, keys to decrypt the files. Is, and they're doing this on a monthly basis now. And they they just made a change, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, it was one of them was the, from Bitcoin to Zcash.
1: I think their are terms and service or something to this. So they're demanding. now demanding 16,000 ZEC, which is third. Yeah. I
2: well, think they're about 300 bucks
1: a coin. Yeah, it's like 4 million bucks for all NSA dumps. 248 <laughs> bucks a unit
0: so apparently Snowden uh, the Snowden leak mentioned United Drake in 2014
2: yeah I, I'm not surprised this tool this tool does look probably it's probably much older than that and then they just kept adding it to it kept updating it um, different, you know, plugins for,
0: like, different plugins and payloads plugins
2: and payloads and you know, for newer systems like uh, that come out like Windows XP Windows 7 it's, I don't know. It wouldn't be. Wouldn't surprise me. If
1: it's been out for that long. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like you said, they just they just keep adding on to these things. I don't think, you know, it's something they just created. But you know, they've been exploding network commu- network connected devices since there was a network connection. You know, the second we could start going between things, they probably have had ways, and they just keep adding on as they have exploits. Like we know, all these aren't getting released and patched. They're holding on to them, they're hoarding them, and using them for their own gain. So, I mean, it's, uh, who knows how long
0: it's been going on. I wonder how much else they have.
2: Oh, they probably have a lot. There's probably so much out there that we don't even know what they have. Yeah, I wonder what the good stuff is. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I wonder. Very curious to know. I mean, stuff I see here is is basically, uh, from the dumps that I've seen uh, for NSA, I mean, they're, they're, they're like open source versions of. Um, I think they, they had one, what was it, X-Keyscore, or I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, it was basically similar to Net- Metasploit. And uh, it was, it was. Uh, I'm like, okay, a lot of these tools, they're like open source versions of them. And they're probably been out for, the open source versions have been out for a long time. Now they're coming up with these tools, but they essentially kind of, they essentially do the same thing, you know with some differences, obviously, but it's it seems like uh, the stuff that we're seeing is uh, is is old, right mm. so like curious to know what 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 do they really have?
1: yeah I mean I guess as, as long as you have these vulnerabilities that have been out a long time and people aren't patching them or and someone's always vulnerable, I mean they're going to be around for a long time. Not a lot of people seem to care. So just another tool, another week. So, okay, that, uh, that wraps up our show for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, you can visit, uh, twodroptables.ca, check out, uh, links to our previous podcasts. You can get the show notes, uh, and, uh, and anything you missed, uh, might've missed, um, You know, for myself, John, Mark, Dom, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. As always, if you have any suggestions, hit us up on the link, iTunes, uh, give us some feedback. If there's anything you want to hear about, please let us know. And uh, we'll uh, we'll chat again in a couple weeks. Good night. Good
0: night, night, everyone. Bye. That was the Two Drop Tables podcast for this week. If you've got comments or feedback, you can visit our website at twodroptables.ca. That's the number two, droptables.ca. There you can read the show notes and leave a comment on this episode. Or you can email feedback at twodroptables.ca. You can subscribe to us via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find fine podcasts. Just go to our website for convenient links or search your podcasting app for Two Drop Tables.